Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today I want to talk a little bit about animal-free gardening um, because lots of gardeners, especially organic gardeners, seem to assume that you always need animal manure for gardening. And many of us, it's certainly those of us that were taught by our grandparents, might have been told you need really good horse muck to be able to grow a good garden or you need to get some really good farmyard manure to grow a good garden and you know it's true like manures do provide a good source of nutrients primarily nitrogen and phosphorus um, but it's not necessary to actually grow a garden um, you know with these you can grow a garden you know quite well without them and for many of us using animal products isn't necessarily something that we want to do um, some people call it vegan gardening I've heard it called stock free gardening I've even heard it called ethical gardening um, it's basically gardening without animal products or artificial fertilizers and um, as I mentioned you can't have a garden that's organic without animal manure I hear it all the time and um, I mean I really can't tell you how many times I've heard that. You can absolutely manage the fertility of the soil using cover crops or green manures and compost and that's compost that was made with vegetative materials so plant matter um, not manure. It's actually quite difficult to find manure from animals that have not been fed on hay that's been treated with herbicides, right? If you're looking for horse manure and stuff, it's kind of difficult. Like I've asked so many people um, in my life gardening, like, hey, um, was, was no, no pun intended there, um, but, you know, was the hay that you fed the horses, um, was that treated with pesticides? Usually the phrase was, oh, I don't know, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. Um, and more often than not, I would find that it had been and you could kind of tell um, after sort of a, a couple of weeks of using the the stuff, um, your plants would be kind of having um, a hard time of it now it could be if you're using like fresh manure it's having a hard time because um, it's what's known as hot there's a lot of um, nitrogen in there and that kind of has an adverse effect on the plants growing but sometimes it can be because of the broadleaf uh, pesticides um, not fertilized broadleaf pesticides um, that are being used to kill off weeds which are broad leaves um, well guess what your vegetables are they're mostly a broadleaf plant and they're going to be susceptible to these types of pesticides. So um, usually herbicides that are being used are a broadleaf. Um, they're not really discriminate on what they're going to be killing off. It's pretty much anything that is a broadleaf um, in the garden. So that's why you have to be careful if you're using um, you know, herbicides in the garden to keep them away from the plants that you like because it's going to kill those too. Um, another reason why people often try to avoid using animal products and manures in the garden um, is because they're trying to avoid... Um, animals that have been treated with antibiotics at some point and that's even harder than trying to find out if you know an animal has been fed stuff that was treated with a pesticide um antibiotics might be an unusual one um but 
essentially an antibiotic is designed to kill certain types of bacteria and that can pass through the animal and it can impact the soil bacteria in the garden so a lot of people want to be sure that those do not end up in their garden um, and that would mean that animal manures are something that they would want to avoid um, or raise the animals themselves and make sure you know they haven't been treated if that's what they want to do and what they're able to do obviously depending on where you are and what you're raising the animals for there is rules and regulations as to what you have to treat them with so you know obviously i'm all about following the rules here i'm a rule follower um but you know if you're wanting to have that level of control for your garden and what's going into your garden and your animals then you're obviously going to want to be rearing them yourself because you know oh this animal was sick or this had to have this administered and it was administered you know however many weeks ago and you're able to keep track of all that so much better than you know sort of popping over to the local stable or the local farm saying hey can I have some manure from you um for my garden so there's that aspect of it and of course there's also an environmental impact of animals um, from additional plantings of feed producing crops there's also the carbon footprint associated with growing those harvesting them processing them and shipping them um, supplementing the animals with vitamins and minerals and all that good stuff that goes into raising animals um, and that's sometimes another reason why gardeners are opting for an animal free um, or an animal product free uh, approach to gardening so let's talk a bit about how to garden without animal products because it does offer a couple of advantages um, it's a low cost gardening method right you're using what you have already on your homestead and in your garden you're not having to you know run down to the farm or um, have things delivered for you right you can have you know manure and things often delivered to you or you know drive over to the local stables and pick it all up and stuff you know there's there's an element of you know reducing the time because you're not having to do that as well as the carbon emissions from driving around and all that good stuff so you don't have any of that as well as none of the stuff that went into the animals being able to poop so uh, you know none of that feed production and all that sort of stuff um so the first thing as with any garden is you want to be building up soil fertility and it's the same for a animal product free garden you want to be using garden compost that's made from plants right you want to be using green manures or cover crops to help add fertility to the soil and you want to use resources already in the garden and adding that organic matter to the soil is going to help bring in more earthworms it's going to help retain water it's going to help retain nutrients in the soil and help that underground ecological web of soil life grow and that's what we want because it's those workhorses that are living in the soil that are going to help our plants and garden thrive now compost um, itself helps to replenish nitrogen and that's what helps plant grow lush and green it also helps to replenish phosphorus and potassium in the soil um, both are needed for flower production strong healthy roots and the ability to grow vigorously and you know help kind of you know live with the various um, stresses and strains that a plant has to deal with from you know pests diseases climate you know different changes in the weather heat cold all that good stuff right 
Now, generally speaking, compost that contains more kitchen waste um, is going to be higher in nitrogen than compost made from woody materials like hardwood sawdust and wood shavings from your husband's workshop, for example, that you may have um, had your eye on and are planning on putting into the compost bin as soon as you can find where the compost bin has disappeared under the snow. Um, but also, you know, if you've got compost that's been made from a lot of shrub prunings that you've chipped, um, you know, over fall, for example, you're going to have, you know, a lot less nitrogen in there than you are from something that is primarily kitchen scraps, right? Things that are fruit and veggie peelings um, and stuff coming out of the kitchen. You know, you really want a good mix of woody materials, fall leaves, kitchen scraps, like those peelings and offcuts and stuff like that. You want those kind of mixed together for your compost, really, because that's going to give you a good mix of nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium. And those are the three big ones that plants need to grow, as well as other trace minerals and elements that your plants are going to need. And that's always the best thing, right? Have a good mix of things that are in your compost, right? So you're going to be able to give back to your your garden a good mix of things now you can also grow nitrogen fixing plants things like vetch tre uh, trefoil clover mm, beans and peas right legumes they take nitrogen from the air and they help bring that to the soil where bacteria can help make it available for plants to use there's lots of different nitrogen fixing plants that are available you can get them as like a, a single um, plant you can get them as a nitrogen fixing mix you can get soil building mixes of green manures and cover crops from a seed supply which makes it really easy to be able to use these in the garden now you might be thinking emma what is a green manure um, i did a whole podcast about green manures um, and a blog post as part of an intensive gardening series that I did, like a training series. Um, so if you're new and you haven't seen that, then um, I will, I'll put a link to the blog post because that's probably going to be the easiest way for you to find all the posts in that series. So you can check those out and you can see the podcasts that go with those. Um, but basically a green manure is a plant that is grown, it's then cut dug in or turned over into the soil and as that plant decomposes it adds fertility into the soil so your plants can use that to grow. Um, green manures need planning into your garden to get the most nutrients for your early spring plants so you do need to take a little bit of time to kind of map out how you're going to use them and when you would be sowing them, when you would then be turning them under into the soil and when you would be needing to put your you know transplants out into um, that soil uh, in your garden bed sorry so they do need a little bit of planning to be able to get the most from it but they offer some really good advantages right they cover the soil they protect it from being washed away by rain or melting snow um, they help keep the soil shaded in summer if you're not using that garden bed they provide an ideal habitat for um, not just um, nature's plows as charles darwin put it which is the humble yet mighty earthworm but they can also provide you know food and habitat sources for beneficial insects especially if you're growing things like clovers or vetch things that produce flowers they're going to produce a source of food for bees and other pollinators to come into the garden so having green manures and you know you don't have to go you know 
all out and you know I'm gonna do green manures on all of these garden beds and I'm gonna plan all this in like if you've never used green manures before like don't don't think that you've got to do it for the entire garden you can just start with you know one garden bed like hey I'm going to put green manures in this bed first I'm going to let them grow a little bit and then I'm going to turn them under and by the time that you know they've been turned under you know the frosts and stuff should have gone and I should be okay to plant out melons for example just just as an example right you know you don't need to try and figure out okay I've got you know these 14 beds and I've got to do this and you know then I want to put like I don't know the the vetch in this one and the clover in this one and I'm gonna do winter rye in this one like don't don't make it complicated you know if this is your first time doing it you know try just a basic seed you know soil building mix and you know try it in one or two beds and then build from there right gardening is a skill that we want to build on and just try slow and you know take lots of notes like what worked what didn't right um i'm a big big advocate of reflecting back on on what worked in your garden i'm having to try and figure out what worked in my garden like 10 years ago um because you know I've changed different climates and I'm trying to figure out what is going to be growing best out here um I've been talking to other gardeners and I've been figuring out that you know blight is a problem for a lot of gardeners where I'm at so now I'm having to try and remember how did I grow tomatoes when I was in the UK ah greenhouse that's how I grew them so you know take some time to chat with other gardeners and figure out what you know some of the common issues are for your garden and you know think of ways that you can you know help build your soil and improve your plant's chances at being able to combat some of these problems um, by using, you know, techniques that are not using, you know, animal products, basically. Um, another thing that people do for this kind of animal product free gardening is they grow their own fertilizers and many many animal free gardeners grow a couple of patches of plants that are specifically um, for making liquid plant feeds um, comfrey and stinging nettle are both very popular and um, certainly very popular on many an allotment in the uk um, comfrey is incredibly popular within um, the permaculture community it's definitely um, the poster child plant for a uh, permaculture garden is comfrey um both are great obviously comfrey isn't you know as stingy as a stinging nettle uh, which people can have you know various allergic uh, reactions to but comfrey you know it it's kind of spiky after a while and if you were really kind of handling a lot of it you can end up um you know with some sensitivity so wear gloves if you're going to be handling either of those um but liquid plant feeds are basically made by either putting you know several handfuls of um weeds or the comfrey and stinging nettle 
you know either separately or together like in a bucket cover that with water leave it there for a week or so and then you know it creates this stinky mess that the plants absolutely love alternatively you can fill a bucket with leaves from and clippings of comfrey or stinging nettle and then compress everything down with a heavy object like a couple of bricks or something and that squeezes the liquid out so you're going to make a more concentrated liquid at the bottom of that bucket um, it is a slightly less stinky plant feed um, and you can dilute that down with water use that to you know water your plants and you know it provides an extra nutrition boost and once done those plant residues can go straight into the compost right so everything's kind of getting recycled reused and it's going back into the garden which is what we want anyway right we want to be replenishing those nutrients that are lost because as we're harvesting our plants we're taking nutrients out so if we just left the plants in place right they would eventually like die off with the winter they'd break down and all those nutrients that were being taken up by the plant they would be going back into the soil but because we harvest things and take them away from the garden we're always taking away nutrients from the garden so we want to be making sure that we're putting that back in and replenishing it now crop rotation is often overlooked uh, when gardening but it's actually quite important um, it not only reduces diseases that are in the soil but it also helps to balance soil fertility and you can grow crops that need a lot of nutrients they're also known as hungry crops they're things like potatoes tomatoes corn cabbage collards kale actually any of the brassicas um things like squash and pumpkins right you can grow those after you've grown beans or peas in that space or after you've had green manures that have been turned under because they're going those are crops that need a lot of nutrients to grow right and to be able to grow well and then after you've grown those hungrier crops you could plant um things that don't use as much nutrients so things like salads or root vegetables like onions beets turnips or carrots and parsnips right um and then you can follow that up again by growing beans peas or green manures again right you want to be regularly adding additions of compost anyway throughout um you know the growing just because it helps to keep that organic matter levels you know at a higher level that helps make a nice home for things like soil microbes earthworms and all of those amazing creatures that help your garden flourish so you know take some time to figure out how you can rotate your crops over the next couple of years in your garden to be able to you know grow more from your garden and reduce pests and diseases because that's a really big thing for crop rotation is you're moving away from you know oh i've had tomatoes growing in this spot for a while i probably shouldn't grow anything else in the nightshade family there which would mean potatoes eggplant chili peppers those kind of things you know you don't want to be growing those in the same place consistently because the pests that readily attack those plants are going to start to keep coming and building in numbers and then you'll start to have problems with pests and diseases attacking your plants so crop rotation is good to kind of 
provide a break so you're going to keep those numbers of diseases and pests and things much lower than you were if you keep growing in that same space so you know even you know farmers that are working on much bigger scales they're rotating their crops to reduce soil borne pests and diseases so it's a good practice to have and almost all organic gardens do this sort of crop rotation so see how you can do it and how you can work in green manures to yours um but i would love to know from you what's your favorite um gardening tip to grow without using animal manures or animal products um or even if you use manure in your garden like do you use manure in the garden why do you use manure in the garden um you know would you consider switching i would love to know um let me know over in the facebook group until next time i hope your garden grows beautifully and i will see you all next week